0: Thank you, amazing. How is everyone? We good? We happy? Amazing, well thanks Joel and the whole Lyft uh, team here uh, for having me and uh, this is awesome. So good to be able to speak on leadership on a Friday night. So So much other stuff is happening in Copenhagen tonight, but not here, here we talk about leadership. Which is uh, which is amazing, but uh, you know it's just an honor to be here. I've, I love this church. I love the leadership of this church, Jacob and the whole team here, and uh, you know I just love um, that. You know, like the churches, we can work together. We're on the same team, and everyone might be doing things differently, but hey, we're all doing it for the same reason, and that is to reach as many people as we possibly can. Amen. That is why we're here, and uh, you know, leadership at the end of the day is about serving people and serving God. And uh, serving hopefully, them right into heaven. Is this microphone okay? Because it feels like it's cutting in and out. Is that okay? That's good then. As long as it's fine out there. But hey, we're going to pray together and then we're going to dive into it. Is that okay? Jesus, we just thank you so much for the privilege, Lord God, of being in your house tonight, Lord God. And we we want to do what this song just said, Lord God, and that's we want to make room for you, Lord Jesus. Make room for you in our lives. Make room for you in our leadership. Make room for you in our churches, Lord God. And Lord, make room for you in our dreams, Lord Jesus. I pray that our dreams for what you can do in and through our lives, Lord God, it will not be contained or limited by maybe what we've seen in the past or by what culture is telling us or by what society is telling us, Lord God, what churches should be like, Lord God. We thank you that you're writing a bigger story, Lord Jesus, that you are dreaming at a higher level, Lord God. And I just pray that we make room for you, Lord God, to speak to us tonight, Lord Jesus. I pray that you will speak through me like I believe you've spoken to me. And I pray that when we leave this place tonight, Lord God, that we will leave more in love with you than when we came in. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Amazing. Hey, I wanna I wanna speak a message tonight, and uh I've based it on uh, something that I actually hate. Uh, I we uh my wife and I we passed the Hillsong uh, church here in Denmark and East Copenhagen, as you just heard, called Malmer. And um, it's a global church, and so we, we, get, the, we get the privilege of, of, of visiting some of our other churches around the world. And when you travel, there is one thing uh, that I think anyone that travels would agree is despicable, and that is a little thing called jet lag. Uh, I mean, you guys, that Altauna, your class, you will, you will discover this on your trips abroad. Um, you know, jet if jet lag was a person, I would slap them uh and I wouldn't apologize. Jet lag is horrible. You know, it, it, it's the whole thing, like you, you, you think you're here, but like everything inside of you is there and you don't know where you are and it's confusing and, and all that. And I wanna I wanna speak a message tonight that I've called jet lagged Christianity. Jet lagged. Christianity. The medical term for jet lag, and I, I, it's hard to say this word, it's desynchronosis. Yes, I got it. Desynchronosis, And basically, jet lag means that your body is out of sync with itself. That what is inside of you is saying that you are there, but what is outside is saying you're here. That there is a battle going on between your inner world and your outer world. That on the outside, that you are geographically somewhere in the world, or Melbourne, wherever, you know, wherever you might have jet lag, you know. I I personally, I find it's the one or two hour jet lags that gets you. You know, I'm I'm feeling for, for Julian coming over from England, it's one hour, and everyone always laughs at the one hour jet lag, but I feel like that's the one who sneaks up on you. Because the eight-hour jet lag, I mean, you see that sucker coming. I mean, you know it's there. You know, night is day, day. It's the one hour that gets you. Because you're sitting there having dinner with your friends. It's 11 o'clock at night. But no, not for you. It's midnight. It's just that one extra hour that makes you fall asleep. Anyone with me? No? Just me. Okay, great. Julie, are you with me? Oh, thank you. Appreciate that. One friend. But, you know, jet lag, it's, it's when there is a... When your body is out of sync between your inner world and your outer world, one of the things that I think as pastors we often get asked about is, you know, being a Christian. What what are the things I'm allowed to do and not allowed to do? I don't know if you guys get asked these questions. We do uh, in our church all the time, and and often what what people want me to do is that they want me to use the stage, the platform, to kind of say the dos and don'ts of Christianity. What are the rules? You know, what can I and can't I do? We, we've, seen, we've seen lots and lots of people come to, come to faith uh, in church and people from, from complete unchurched background and, you know, they hear about all these stories of what they can and cannot do. But, you know, as a pastor, my job is not to convict people. That's the Holy Spirit's job. The Holy Spirit, He is the one that will point things out in our life. My job as a pastor My job is to point people to Jesus. That's my job. My job is in everything I do, is that we are constantly pointing people to Jesus. I mean, even when Jesus got confronted about certain things, I mean, listen to what He said. You know, when when the rich young ruler, for example, came to Him and said, hey, you know, how how about this? And what did Jesus say? He goes, what does the Bible say? How do you read it? He threw it right back on them. You know, there is something about us as pastors and, you know, in leadership, and I'm saying us, because if you're in this room, obviously there is a desire or dream at some point in your life to be involved with pastoral ministry, whether that is full time or as a volunteer or whatever it is, and I commend you for that. But our job as Christians, first and foremost, it is to point people to Jesus. And why is that? Because once there's a relationship with Jesus, something happens. There is a change that takes place on the inside out. It's like there is a jet lag taking place. Something has happened on the inside that is out of sync with what is on the outside. I mean, it's like when you grow up. Has anyone had anything where like when you were a kid, you didn't like it and then you grew up and now you like it? Anyone? I mean, I remember as a kid, if, if, if anyone like, was even like, thinking about cooking liver, you know what I'm talking about? Like, I would vomit. Like, I'm like, there's no way I'm eating that. There was no. And then, like, you get older, and then you get, like, introduced to, like, French cooking and, you know, like, amazing restaurants. And then suddenly you're like, wait a minute, that's not too bad. <laughs> it was just microwave wasn't the way to cook it, you know. You know, there is a, there is a, there is a change that takes place. Same person, but there's a change that takes place. Same thing happens when people encounter Jesus. There is a change that takes place, and slowly, some of the things they used to like, they no longer like. I had a friend call me a a few a few weeks ago, and he was angry at me. And I was like, "Why are you angry?" He goes, "I was at a party last night." I was like, "Okay, why are you angry at me about that?" He said, "Because I had such you know I felt so guilty this morning, and I hadn't done anything wrong." I mean, I used to do things wrong, and we know that. But last night I was good. I was like, well, what was it? It's like, well, you know, I did this and this and this, but that's not bad. I'm like, you're becoming a Christian. That's what's happening. He's like, I know. <laughs> you know, it's there because there's a change that has taken place. Paul puts it like this in Romans 12. He goes, this is what I want you to do. God helping you. That's very important, that part. God helping you. Because that's what grace is, by the way. Grace is God helping you. You cannot do this in your own strength. You know, as a, have you ever heard Christians go, oh, it's so hard to be a Christian? It's not hard. It's impossible. That's the good news of the gospel. It's impossible to be a Christian. You can't forgive the people that hurt you. You can't live the way that God wants you to live. None of us can. It's impossible. That's where grace comes in. It says, it's impossible. Now let me help you. Let me help you do this. That's what grace is. So he goes, this is what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God and you will be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you, and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to his level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. See, the work that God wants to do in you is that there's a change from the inside out. What most of us we do? Can we just be honest here? Because we're amongst leaders. What most of us do? We do a change from the outside in. We're like, oh yeah, oh they want me to look like this, I dress like that, I talk like that, I say the right thing, I say the right words, I show up at the right events, and everything is on the external. First battle, first season of stress, and that change will not last. But when it comes from the inside out, that is what we call conviction. Conviction. Conviction is what you say, this is who I am, no matter what happens. What is amazing about this process is that as you just fix your life on Jesus, not rules, not regulations, on Jesus, there is a change on the inside of you. Suddenly you like things that you never imagined you liking. Suddenly you enjoy doing things you never imagined doing. Some of you, you're thinking about leadership, and it's like, there's no way I could do that. There is no way I could stand up here. There is no way I could be singing. There's no way I could be preaching. There's no way I could be leading. What a great starting point. Because God helping you, He's going to change you from the inside out. He's going to use you to actually make a difference. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, and you know this, but Denmark, we need more Christians out there with a conviction that Jesus is the answer. We need it. Like, we seriously need it. Last night, we had our leadership night at, um, in our church. We had, we had these—doesn't matter what we had. We had a night. And I was dropping a, a guest home to his hotel. And, and on the way home, it's like 11 o'clock last night, and I get a message from one, one of my friend and, friends, and he's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm on my way home. He's like, no, 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 come out, you know, for— you know, a drink of Coke Zero. And I was like, yeah, let's do that. And so I dropped by this restaurant and we're just sitting, we just sitting there and there's four of us and it turns into about 15 of us. I haven't said what I do. There's two of them that know what I do. And these two is like, all right, let's play a game. You got to guess what Thomas does for a living. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that's a fun game. Um, and that became the game for, of the night. But the moment they found out I was a, as a, a priest or a pastor, immediately they were like, what time's your service? We, we, need, we need to come to church. You know, like all, all these different people, different demographics, different, you know, backgrounds, everything, except for a Christian background. I think we have this mentality that in Denmark, it's like, oh, I don't know, like nobody wants it. and Everyone has money and you know, blah. blah, blah. It's like, people are broken. The problem is not the people out there. The problem are the people inside churches. It's that we are so self-preoccupied with all our own little worlds and eh, like whatever. If we can just get our eyes off ourselves and onto the cross and onto the world, then maybe we could actually make a difference in our lifetime. Anyways, that's a side note. First Peter, he said like this, well, he's not a first, there's just Peter, but he said in his first letter, chapter 2, verse 11, he says, Friends, this world is not your home, so don't make yourself cozy in it. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. Live an exemplary life among the natives so that your actions will refute their prejudices then they will be won over to God's side and they, they will be there to join in the celebration when He arrives. You see, this is why church and church fellowship is so important. Because we live in a world that is becoming more and more, if it feels good, then do it. If it feels good, then do it. That, that's becoming the justification of everything, even inside of church. If it feels good, do it. Can I just suggest that's such a stupid way to live? <laughs> Like, even logically, like, remove God and Jesus out of the equation for a second. It's such an illogical and dangerous way to live. If it feels good, do it. Wars have started like that. Divorce has started like that. Affairs have started like that. Destruction of whole generations have started like that. If it feels good, do it. It's such an illogical and destructive way of thinking. Yes, this is the society that we live in. You know, when you're traveling and if you feel jet lagged, what's important is that you've got to find a source of time that is not subject to the surroundings. You've got to find something that you know. You know when you wake up and you don't know whether it's summertime or wintertime? Do you know that? And then everything you're looking at, you know, like you're not, you're not sure. Now, when I was a kid, I'm old enough to say that now, when I was a kid, we could pick up the phone and call Mrs. Clark. is anyone old enough to remember that? Okay, appreciate that. It's true. We would we would I can not remember her number, but we would call her up and you'd call the number and then you would be like and then suddenly she went, clocken R11 er 11, the at 11. And then you would hang up and you know what the time is. These days you can just Google, what's the time where I am right now? I mean, you gotta find something that is outside and that's not subject to where you are right now. When you live your life without an external reference of ethics and morality, you're gonna get yourself in trouble because you are subject to whatever is happening around you. It's like one Christian walking into a nightclub on their own. It's like, you're gonna be in a world of trouble. Because you have no, no one. You have nothing to keep you to your standards. Nothing to keep you to your convictions. That's why they got really quiet on that one. <laughs> we can go there. Should we go on that one? We can, we can camp on that one for a while. That's why we do church every Sunday. You know, the author of Hebrews said, let us not give up meeting together. Yeah, it, it says that Hebrews 10, it says, let's not give up meeting together. And then the author it says why? And he says, so we do not drift. We all drift. We, we drift in our convictions. We drift in our faith. People sign up to the gym. Three weeks later, they don't go. Now they're just investors. You know, we, we, we all do this. We do it in every area of life. But we also do it in our, in our walk with Jesus. When we first start out, oh, Jesus, I love you. <laughs> you know, I'm going to live for you. Like a few questions I could ask right now that, that would make all of us like feel a little bit like, oh, it's like, like do we read our Bible every day? Like Do we pray? Do we share our faith? I'm not trying to make anyone feel guilty. I'm just trying to make people feel a little bit convicted. <laughs> but what is it? Oh, it's called drift. It's called drift. The, the, those of us who've had kids around oceans where there's lots of waves and stuff, one of the things you, you, you teach your kids is that when they get in the ocean, the first thing they have to do is they have to find a fixed point on the beach. Something that doesn't move. And so when they're playing, they've got to constantly look up and find that fixed point because they know if they don't do that, suddenly they could look up and they're in a world of trouble over here because they don't know that they're getting dragged away. They don't know the drift. So you teach your kids when you're at the beach, you're like, look up find that flag find something that doesn't move and every few minutes look up and readjust look up readjust look up and read. you know what happens when we go to church we look up and we readjust church is our flag in the sand church is our fixed point church is where we make sure that we haven't drifted we get back on track in our thinking we get back on track in our speaking. We get back on track in our disciplines. We get back on our track in in terms of our faith and what we're believing for and our theology. Church is the flag in the sand. Can I encourage you as leaders? Can I encourage you as future leaders? Do not give up meeting together in your local church. Do not give up on it. Do not give up on it. It is your flag in the sand that will... Help you. We all need it, especially when there is this struggle between our inner and outer world. Can I just give you just a few signs that there is jet lag in your Christianity? Is that okay? Is that okay? Just a few things. First one is, you're resting when you should be working. You're working when you should be resting. Jet lag Christianity. You're resting when you should be working. You're working when you should be resting. There is a disconnect between your inner world and your outer world. King David, we know this story, 2 Samuel 11. All the kings go to war. King David is at home in bed. It says at night he got up out of bed. It's like, come on, man. Like you slept all day. And then he's out perving on the neighbor's wife. You know, like he got himself into a world of trouble. You know, people died. I mean, there's so much calamity because of this decision. You work when you should be resting. You rest when you should be working. I'm going to cut a little bit deep right now, but I think we live in an age of entitlement where people expect to reap what they haven't sown. You see, we have Christians that want Bible promises, but we don't want to live according to Bible principles. We say things like, I want the windows of heaven to open up in my life. Oh, cool. Do you want to tithe? It's like we want healing. We just don't want to pray for people. We want all our friends to get saved. We just don't want to invite them. You're expecting to reap what you haven't sown. You know, when something good happens for someone else. It might be that they sold an apartment to earn like a, you know, a truckload of money. And you're like, oh, you know, someone always says, oh, that should have been me. And it's like, I'm always like, why? why? Like, why should that have been you? Like, did you live according to a budget? Did you, did you plan and did you renovate an apartment? Did you? No, no, I didn't. No, because you're expecting just to get something without ever having done anything. I think a lot of us, and I, I see this all the time, leaders that are resting when they should be working and working when they should be resting. But especially in our part of the world, I think some of us, we're we resting, we're we, we, we throwing a victory party too soon. I'm all about, you know, thanking God ahead of the battle, but it's like at some point we need to stop the party and actually get, out, get to work. <laughs> you know, I, I, I think in our part of the world, in Scandinavia, I think a lot of Christians, they're resting when they should be working, when they should just be rolling up their sleeves, get to their local church, knock on the pastor's door and say, where do you need some help? Where can, I use, where can you use me? You know, we, we, and then we... we but we, we're in this weird struggle all the time. We say, Lord, use me. <laughs> then he uses you and you're like, oh, I feel used. <laughs> Dude, that's what you prayed for, you know. <laughs> it's like, and then we're like, "Ah, oh, I'm stressed. <laughs> I need to rest. No, you just need to work. These are your best years. You have more energy now than you will ever have. You have more time now than you will ever have. This is, it's now, it's now that you should be on your phone with your friends. It's now you should be praying. It's now that you should be volunteering at your local church. It's now, it's now. But some of us, we're resting when we should be working because we're living in jet lag Christianity. There's, a, there's, a, there's an out of sync between our inner world and our outer world. Everyone here is called to ministry because everyone here is called to love God and love people. So the question is, what does your loving God and loving people look like? Second thing, there's only three things. That's so okay. Second thing, that shows that we live in a jet lag Christianity. You fight when you should be fleeing, and you flee when you should be fighting. You fight when you should be fleeing, and you flee. You flee when you should be fighting. In life, there is. Uh, we all created with what's called fight or flight mechanism, our bodies, and and, and it's whatever a leftover from the ancient of days, um, but it's like basically if you're in a dangerous situation, your body goes into what's called a fight or flight mode, you know, and and basically what happens is that your body, your your stomach empties for blood, it goes out of your stomach. That's why you have that sinking feeling. Your blood goes out of your stomach, it goes into your legs, it goes up into your arms. You get a shot of adrenaline, which increases your hearing, it increases your eyesight, and it makes you think quicker. And you are in that position now to do one or two things. To either stand your ground and fight or run and take flight. That's in all of us. We all have that mechanism, every single one of us. The problem is, some of us, we fight when we should be fleeing, and others, you flee when you should be fighting. The Bible is very clear. There are certain things we should fight for, but there's also certain things we should be running away from. Listen to what Paul, he says. 1 Timothy 6, six eleven, But you, man of God, you, woman of God, flee Run away from all of these things, lust, love of money, pride, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. And then verse 12, And fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made a good confession in the presence of many witnesses." I don't know how many people I sat with that say, Oh, I got, I got myself into trouble. Why? Well, I was with this girl. Oh, okay, where were you? In her apartment. When? Last night. What time? Two o'clock in the morning. All right. Okay, what were you doing now? You know, I thought I was strong enough to, you know, resist the temptation and I wanted to pray for her. <laughs> you know, laying on of hands and all that. Speaking in tongues. You know, all those things. You're an idiot. (laughs) Plain and simple. Because the Bible doesn't say you should be fighting the temptation of lust. It says you should be running away from it. Paul doesn't say, fight it. Some of you, you're strong enough. Stay in the club. Fight it. We can go back to that because that's the one that hit the nerve. It doesn't say fight it. It says run away from it. I mean, David should have run away from it. But he's staying there perving on the neighbor's wife going, I'm fighting this. I'm just looking. I'm just looking. What's her name? It's looking. Huh? Okay. She looks hungry. Can you invite her over for dinner? You know, like it's... But the Bible also says there's certain things we should be fighting for. We should be fighting for our marriages. We should be fighting for our cities. We should be fighting for our friends. We should be fighting for our churches. We should be fighting for what is right. We should be fighting for those that have no voice. We should be fighting against injustice. There are certain things we should be fighting for. But jet lag Christianity, it flees when they should be fighting and they fight when they should be fleeing. And the last thing, and if I could get the band to come and join me, or just whoever of your band. At least the keys, that's the most spiritual part. But you're all welcome. It's a leadership test. And you all pass. Last thing, last sign of jet-lag Christianity. I timed my breathing because I thought like, we would have we would have hit the title at the same time as you played out you know that would have been so good the last point of jet Lag christianity is see the last thing of jet Lag christianity is you forget what you should remember and you remember what you should forget and this one is massive especially in leadership you know paul he says do not throw away your confidence because it is richly rewarded you know if you want leadership you gotta hold on to your confidence confidence is one of those things you know now i'm not talking about self-confidence i'm talking about god confidence self-confidence will get you in a world of trouble but just confidence confidence that you're you are where you're supposed to be You, you 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 got something to say you got something to do I don't walk into a room like this because I think I'm the best person in the room. I walk into the room because like, well, God, this is where you want me tonight. So I'll do my bit and I'm going to do it confidently because anything else wouldn't serve anyone well. Now we say things like, yeah, but the reason why I don't have confidence is because, you know, my old pastor said this and this to me. No, that's the circumstances. That's not the reason. Because the Bible says, do not throw away your confidence. That means that no one can break your confidence, no one can steal your confidence, no one can take it from you. The only thing that can happen is that you give it away. How do we do that? I think we do it by remembering what we should be forgetting and forgetting what we should remember. Jet lag Christianity, we've messed up our memory. The problem is that some of you have got too good a memory, (laughs) but you're remembering the wrong things and you're forgetting the right things. Too many of us, we are paralysed by our past. Yeah, but I could never be a leader because you don't know what I've done. You don't know my past. You don't, you don't know my mistakes. You don't know my childhood. No, I don't. But why are you still remembering that stuff? Why are you replaying that in your, in your mind and throwing your confidence away? Hebrews 8, 12, God says, For I will forgive their wickedness, their sins, and I will remember their sins no more. I will remember their sins no more. Imagine if we could forgive each other like that. But we don't, do we? (laughs) Someone hurts us and what do we do? You always do that. I thought you forgave me last time. Yeah, I did. How can I always do this? This must be the first time then. No, but you're always like this. This is what you always say. No, no, wait a minute. Keep short account with one another, Ephesians says. If I forgive you, I let it go. I let it go. Imagine if we could forgive each other like the way God, He forgives us. I will remember... Their sins no more. Could you imagine going to God saying, God, I'm so sorry? And God going, You always do this. I'm so sick and tired of you. <laughs> like it'd be the worst. But God just lifts us up. saying, it's okay. Let's go. With God help, grace, let's 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 go again. Psalm hundred and three, we'll finish on this scripture. From us. I love this psalm so much. I love it because the psalmist, he knew, well, maybe the psalmist maybe didn't know what the scientists they know today that you can measure the distance between north and south. There's a north pole and there's a south pole. Had the psalmist said, You have removed my sin as far as north is from the south, you can measure that distance. But He didn't say that. The psalmist says, as far as the east is from the west, that is how far you have removed my sin. Listen to me, if you fly east and you keep going east and you keep going east and you keep going east, you are never going to get to the end of east. The moment you turn around, you're on your way to west. And you go west, and you go west, and you go west, and you keep going west, there is no end. And the Bible says as far as the east is from the west, that is how far He has removed your sin and my sin away from me. And who brings it back on us? Us! God's like, look how far I've removed it. Yeah, but God, and goes like, really? Look how far I've removed it. But God, and goes like, really? When He says He can use you, He can use you. When He says He's called you, He has called you. When He says He loves you, He loves you. And you say, but you, you don't know. No, I don't know. And I don't want to know. You know, I, you talk to your pastor. I don't want to know. But I do know this, that God is the one who knows you the best. And He's still the one that loves you the most. He sees it all. And He still says, I choose you. I choose you. I choose you. I see potential in you. But Christians, we're so quick. To hold people's past up against them. You can't trust that guy. Do you know what he's done? Do you know what she's done? Do you know where he was last night at 2 o'clock in the morning? (laughs) That's a reference to a previous story. That's why it's funny. (laughs) We're constantly like that. Meanwhile, God is like, no, no, no. It's it's all good. (laughs) I've forgiven them. And I can use them. I guess tonight like I just want to remind, uh, remind us of some simple truths tonight that if God has called you He has graced you and that you can do this but you've got to make some decisions yourself you've got to choose I'm going to work instead of resting if, it, if, that's, if it's time to work you you're got to make some deci- decisions to when to flee and when to fight and you are got to make some decision of what to remember and what to forget why are you holding on to something that God has let go of like why I don't know how many times I've sat with people in here in Copenhagen and they find out I'm a pastor and then they they bring some like dirty old secret up that nobody wants to hear and it's like you know and it's like they just bring this like demon-shaped like canister and they open it you know as if like, I'm going to go like, ah, you know, you can never be used, you know, ah, it's in the heart, ah, you know, marry <laughs> him there, no. And I'm always like, l- I'm listening to it and I'm like, I'm waiting for the big reveal. And they open it, ah, you know, like little green demons fly out and it's like, ah, woo And they kind of look at my face and my face is always the same. It's like, What are you trying to say? Like, I'm saying this. Oh, you're saying you're human. Oh, you're you're human. Okay, okay, cool. Welcome to the club. I know a few other humans too. What are you saying? That you're disqualified? You have no idea who God is then. Let's go. Come on, young people, let's do this. There's a nation to reach. There's a world to reach. And I'm telling you, like, it's just, God's just waiting for us. He's just waiting for us. He's not waiting for you to turn 20 or 30 or 40. He's just waiting for you to put your hand up. He's just waiting for you to to get moving. There's people all around you. All around you. Tonight, you're going to be running into people that are not Christians. On the way home tonight, tomorrow morning, you're going to be running into people They don't want to hear all your dirty stuff. They just want to know about Jesus. You can be used. Come on, let's be part of the generation that reaches this nation for Jesus. Amen. Can we stand to our feet? In a moment, we're going to push some people over. Throw some oil on you cover you up in a blanket and carry you out. No, we're not going to do any of that. I want to just take just a moment. We're not going to take long because God doesn't have to take a long time. Because really, tonight it's not about really a moment as in like, this is going to solve everything, (laughs) you know. It's so funny. Like, people spend 30 years messing up their life. They give God 30 minutes to fix it. Um, You know, church is the place where you just change your direction. You still got to walk it out. And so if you sit, ever sit in a meeting where you're like, oh, it's all going to change now. Probably not. Most likely all that's going to change is your direction in that moment. That's it. You still have to walk it out. You know, in our church, we hand out Bibles to new Christians and we, we challenge them to come back for four weeks and like, ah, you know, we go hard. Because we know, like you're putting a hand up, praying a prayer, all that. Theologically, I believe in a whole bunch of stuff has happened. But practically, you still gotta walk it out. You still gotta walk it out. And so we're gonna pray for some people now. But all that's happening, just so we can all be on the same page, all that's happened is that you're doing this. That's it. <laughs> and then after tonight, when the old thoughts start popping up again, you start walking out. It's like, no, no, no I'm not gonna remember that anymore. Oh, I'm gonna flee this. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna work. I'm not gonna rest now. It's not time to rest, time to work. <laughs> I'm going to fight for this. You know, you're going to start to walk this out. I'm not going to throw my confidence away. No, no, I'm holding on to that sucker. So come on, can we just close our eyes? I want to just pray for anyone here that you've been holding on to things. I don't know what it is. Maybe stuff that you've done or maybe stuff that's been done to you. But you're holding on to something and for whatever reason, the thing you're holding on to you think it's disqualifying you from being used by God. You think that it's kind of made you broken, worthless, like everyone else can be used, but not me. And you it's like your go-to, you keep coming back to this. And I don't know why you keep holding on to this. Maybe you've held on to it for so long that this is your identity. You're the broken one, you're the victim. You're the one to mess up. You're the one that, well, I don't know what it is. It could be be something you've done. It could be something that's been done to you. It could be an environment that you've been in growing up, but you keep holding on to it. And tonight you you wanna make a decision. I wanna let go of this. I wanna just let go of it. If that's you, just with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you that I'm talking about, could you just, just lift your hand so I know who I'm praying for? Just lift your hand all over this place just lift it yeah just keep lifting them lifting them yeah 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 just keep lifting them I'll tell you this much if you can't even lift a hand inside a church full of Christians that didn't cheer you on um, it's probably going to be a long road ahead of you but just yeah yeah all over this place just keep your hand raised we're going to pray right now the Bible says whoever the sun sets free is free indeed you know worship is not bringing our best Worship, C.S. Lewis calls it the great exchange, is where we actually bring our worst and God gives us His best. We bring our sin and we get His forgiveness. We bring our sickness and we get His healing. We bring our weakness and we get His strength. So we're gonna, we're gonna worship now, whatever the team here prepared of a song, we're gonna worship. And then I just want all of us to, to just to raise our hands or give Him whatever it is that we've got, but especially those of you now with your hands raised, I'm going to pray for you and then we're going to get into a worship song and we're just going to let go of some of these things. Let go of the, the, the past that keeps coming back. Let go of those mistakes. Make some decisions tonight and make a, maybe just while the team is singing, you're having a conversation with God saying, God, I'm changing my direction. I'm changing my direction. I am going a new direction in my life. But Jesus, right now, I just pray for every person with their hand raised. You know what it is they're holding on to of hurt of pain of things that has either happened to them around them or things they have done lord jesus tonight lord god i just pray that there will be freedom in this place lord we just pray that you will set people free from the power of words set people free from the power of actions lord god i pray environments lord god will change I pray that You will change something inside of them, that there will be a shift in desires, a shift in mentality, a shift, Lord God, where the inner world start lining up with the outer world. Lord God, where You're moving them in a different direction. Lord God where suddenly they see I am not that person, I am not my mistake, I am not my past, I am not that abuse, I am not those words, I am a child of God, I am a daughter of the Most High, I am a servant of the Lord, I am called by God, He has written my name in the palm of His hand, He will remember my sin no more as far as the East is from the West, That is how far He has removed my mistakes. He has removed my sin. So Lord, we pray for every person that's here tonight. Whatever they're holding on to, Lord God, we let it go tonight. And we ask for you to take it out of our lives. Take it out of our hands, Lord God. We want freedom. We want to be representatives of freedom, Lord God. We want to be carriers of your light wherever we go, Lord Jesus. So we give you all the glory and all the praise. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Come on.